And God's people said, Amen. 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 You know, um, I am grateful for this series. Um, I have learned a lot for myself. And I hope that this series has been beneficial to you as well in the sense of how the Bible portrays what praise and, and worship and adoration is about. And so today I want to conclude this series. This is the fourth of, of four. And the expectation of praise is what the title for today is. So we have talked about already six different words. In each sermon, we've talked about two. Today, we only have one. So you might be thinking it's going to be short. <laughs> well, no, uh, we're going to talk about one. So I, w- I would love to hear back from you. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. And, and this is really some... This will either tell me that I've done a really good job at explaining what this is, or I have failed. So, they, they tell us never to do this in homiletics, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay? So we talked about two, four words. Here are four on the board, excuse me, on the screen. Halal Shabak, the manner of voice in which we praise God, the shout for joy. If you remember, that was the title of, of the, uh, the sermon. And then Yada and Barak. Can somebody here help me out? Can you tell me what you've learned or how you've seen worship differently as a result of seeing these, two, these four different words that we talked about in the past? I'll, somebody, just... That's good. That's good. Your attitude determines your attitude. So in other words, the way you come, your altitude, okay? The way you come, your, your attitude determines your altitude. The way you come before the Lord will determine your connection and how your praise will be accepted. Am I? Okay, that's a good one. All right. Somebody else, any, anybody? Brave enough. Yes, Steve. There's no wrong way to praise. In, in, in the context of the biblical setting, that you can be um, kneeling, that you can have your hands raised, that you can say, you can shout hallelujah, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. All right. That's right. That is one of the key components of, and, and so what he said, if you did not hear him properly, is, is that it, worship and praise is not about you. You, you come to the table to praise him. And, and that way, yes, Sam. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. I love it. Cool. So if somebody says, what does halal mean? It, did, you, did you know, I don't think you were here for this one, Sam, maybe you were, that halal is where we get the word hallelujah. Yeah, good. All right. So we're I'm glad to hear it. All right. So we've talked, these are some brief synopsis of, and I'm glad this is some good key takeaways that you've gotten from the series. But today we're going to talk about one. It's one that is, encompasses the attitude 
the form, the format of all four. Okay? Of all, oh, sorry, we also talked about this one, Tahila and Zamar, before I get to that one. Tahila and Zamar now also encompasses the manner in which you praise, right? So we talked about the posture, we talked about the, the, the shout or the, the exclam- exclamatory praise, so to speak. But this one deals now with how you praise. You, you praise through what? Through song, right? It's actually the little word, literal word from the Hebrew word from, that we translate the words hymn to. When the Bible says to sing songs with hymns, this is the word, um, Tehillah and Zamar. Okay, so song is the form. But it's not just singing, it's also the accompaniment that comes along with it. It'd be the, the, the trumpets, it'd be the harp, it'd be the lyre, it'd be the, oh, I can't remember the other one. It's on the tip of my tongue. It looks like a guitar. The, the, not the zither, lute. Yes. So all of these are, are, are instruments that are acceptable as forms of praise, okay? Now here comes the word that I want to talk about. But that's not the Hebrew. That's all right. That's all right. We're trying out a new, a new um, software, uh, but the actual pronunciation of it is there. Toda. Toda. Toda is an extension of the hand. So we, we in the pastor, I've seen this definition b- before. Isn't that yada? Okay, an extension of the hand, because this word actually is rooted in from the word yada. Okay, but I want to focus on a couple of things here. We talk about the extension of the hands. We talked about the worship in in, in songs. Okay, but there are t- there are three elements here that I want to focus on. One of them is what confession, praise, and thanksgiving. We haven't talked about these elements before, have we? So this is what this word is about. And as mentioned before, this comes from the word yada, to extend hands. So when you extend your hands and you're performing this manner of worship, your hands may be extended. They don't have to, but that's what the actual implication is, is that your hands are, are extended and that you are then rendering worship in the Doda format. So we're going to look at that this morning. What does that mean? So let's look at Psalm chapter 50, verse 23, 22 and 23. It says, Consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you to pieces with no, with no one to rescue you. That's not a very encouraging word, is it? Or a psalm. I'm going to tear you. And this is actually God saying this. Okay. Those who sacrifice thank offerings though to honor me and to the blameless I will show my salvation. It's interesting here that the word blameless is translated in a different way in the New King James Version to the words those whose conduct are correct. So blameless here is not sinlessness. If it was sinlessness our praise and worship would not be accepted. 
So David is, is writing to us that those who sacrifice thank offerings, so consider this. If you're, if you're thanking God, that's how he accepts our praise, through thanksgiving. So it's actually thanksgiving as well. But let's look at this one. In God I trust, and I am not afraid. What can man do to me? I'm under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you. Hmm. So praising God is also a form, a way in which we can render thanksgiving, right? But what are you thinking? What are you thanking him when you praise him for? What are you bringing to the table? Okay? So when there's another component to this. We talked about this being thanksgiving and thank offering. We saw these two texts. But we also saw in that definition that it talked about confession, right? So look at this text. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 19, we're going to spend a little bit, about, a, a little bit of time in this. Um, then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell him. Tell me what you have done. In other translations, it says, confess to me. Do not hide from me. Tell me what you have done. Now, a simple reading of this text would come with the implication or the idea that if I confess my sins, because I know what you're, you're connecting this already to that text in John. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins, right? Let's look at the context of this story. So, the Israelites have already come out of Egypt. You will notice on the screen, this is a map of the lower part of Israel. That's the Dead Sea. You will find Jerusalem just above Bethlehem. You will see Jericho right above the Dead Sea. And up to, if you go a little bit to the right, you'll see a, a town called Ai. The Israelites have just crossed Jericho. They've captured it. But I, I need you to understand something here, that what happens before Jericho is like the second crossing of the Red Sea. The story when the Israelites left Egypt, they were backed up against the Red Sea, and the Egyptian army was coming up and pressing them, and, and, they, and they had looked at, at God and said, where, where do you go? You've taken us out here to die. And God said, move forward. It's wet. It's, it says, step. So they stepped, and it opened up. You fast forward now 40 years. That generation that left Egypt is dead because ultimately they did not trust in God. And so they, they left, and the way they come about, the Bible tells us that they had to, they, to, they crossed the Jordan to get to Jericho. What that means is they had to go around the Dead Sea, up on the east side, and then cross the Jordan to get to Jericho. So they're coming from east to the west. And they captured Jericho. 
The interesting part about this is that during that raid, only one person and their family survived, a prostitute. That's a story for another sermon. So she is saved. They conquer the city. She helps the spies, okay? And so now they're starting to move forward. This is them conquering the land that ultimately belonged to Jacob. This is where Abraham had lived. This is where Jacob had built um, wells. This is where they had bought caves to bury their dead. And now his descendants are coming full circle over 500 years later, and they're starting to claim that land, and they're starting to claim the cities that God said, I will give to you. Because their wickedness have, has reached their limit, and so this is my judgment on them. And as they are going through, they go to Ai, J- Joshua re- gathers his men and he says hey um what do you think of ai and his his generals tell him saying you don't need a whole lot of people it's a small town send about three thousand he said okay not a problem so he sends three thousand men to go capture ai but something happens that they are running with their tails between their legs the 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 men from ai the bible tells us slay about 36 men of the 3,000, they kill 36, and the people are running back because they're scared. And so jo- Joshua now doesn't understand because in his mind, God had given them that land. God had promised them that that is the place where they would be living, but they just got defeated. So what's the deal? So he tears off his clothes, puts on sackcloth, and puts dirt on his head, him and the leaders, and they start praying to God, said, Lord, what happened? We don't know. Why did we lose this battle? And God, after a while, looks at him, and he says, get up. Why are you doing this? There's sin in the camp. Hmm. There's sin in the camp. And so after a long discussion, God eventually tells, this is how you're going to proceed. After a little while, you're going to call up the clans, the tribes. And then from the tribes, you're going to call the families. And then from the families, you're going to call the men. And then from the men, you're going to call the individual. Tell me you wouldn't be nervous. And so they start calling tribe by tribe and god is the one who's talking to joshua through all of this and they get to the tribe of judah and as they find the tribe of judah he says okay this is the tribe clans families no 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 yep Families, they come forward. Men step up. So the men step up, and he goes, no, 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 yep. What did you do? It's not a very pretty picture. 
Could you imagine if this is our tribe? And God's doing the same thing. And so he calls out Achan. He says, what did you do? And he says, you got me. I sinned. That's the context of the previous verse. Tell me everything. Don't withhold anything back. Now you might be thinking, well, he confessed his sin, right? What happened? So he told them exactly what had happened. God had instructed for them not to take any of the possessions, any of the spoils of war for their own personal record. He, As a matter of fact, he told them to burn everything. Achan saw some silver, saw some robes that he thought were, man, this will look good on me. And he took them and he dug a hole in his tent and buried it for his own safekeeping. The verdict of the story is that him and his entire family were stoned outside the camp. You might be thinking, well, Pastor, that's a pretty gruesome outcome. But, but he confessed his sin. But when you take into account what had happened from the time that they left Jericho and from knowing that they were going towards Ai and the instruction that was given, do not take any of this because it is not what I want you to do from God. And then having gone through it and bearing, taking the time to bury and try to conceal his sin, rather than coming up voluntarily, he waited until he got called out which tells me he was not remorseful. Which tells me there's a deeper issue within covetousness, selfishness. Psalm 50, verse 23 says, Those who sacrifice thank offerings honor me in to the blameless, I will, conduct, I will show my salvation. This is in conduct. Remember, we saw this, just, just saw this. But this verse illustrates that his conduct, though he may have been praising, he may have uh, sacrificed, thank offerings, he may have given up things, but his actions behind those words did not mesh up with what he was doing. Mercy. You see, Leviticus establishes this principle way back that when you sacrifice a thank offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. So how is a sacrifice accepted? How do I get my sacrifice to be accepted on my behalf? Well, the, that's the, the NIV version. The New King James Version says that offer it of your own free will. When I looked at the Hebrew, you need both the NIV and the New King James to really come close to what the Hebrew was trying to say. Because it's not just to be acceptable, and it's not just your own free will, 
is that you're, tr- you're doing something because it doesn't belong to you. It was never yours from the get-go. Because it implies trust and faith on who provided you the blessing. You see, here's another reason why Achan and his family died. They captured Jericho without them lifting a finger. What did they do? They marched around the city, blowing trumpets, the shofar that I had here last week. And after, on the seventh day, they marched around seven times, the walls came crumbling down. What did they do? What, what did they have to offer to contribute to the conquest of Jericho? Nothing but faith. Trust. And so when we come to Psalm 100, verse 4, we have four of the Hebrew words encompassed into one song, one, one praise. Enter his gates with toda, thanksgiving. Why? And his courts with praise, tehillah. Okay, so you are praising, you're giving your praise because one, you trust God, you trust the one who provided you with the blessing. The manner is in, you have your, your instruments and you give thanks, yada, with your hands lifted high and to him who praise his name, to him and praise his name. This is Barak. This is in the, the spirit of reverence. This is the best description what praise looks like. Because it's not just one manner. You are encompassing everything because now your faith belongs to the one who has provided you with the blessings you have acquired. The one who has led you through that difficult week. The one who has kept you safe. The one who has provided every basic need. This is where Psalm 23 comes in. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not be in want. That's why you do Toda. Because you are outwardly expressing what God has done because of your faith in Him, because of your trust. Should have been one more. So it brings me back to that text that we saw earlier. Psalm chapter 20. I don't think it's on the screen. It says, Some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You see, when you come to praise, it's not just about expressing gratitude. It's about trust. It's a trust issue. You know, I read somewhere that we don't, as a church, we have nothing to fear. We don't, we shouldn't fear heretics. We shouldn't fear legalists. We shouldn't fear extremists. We shouldn't fear um, those that attack us. We should fear those who come and worship not entirely trusting in God. Because that is what happened with Achan. 
the lack of faith of one can compromise the outcome for an entire group. So when you look at all of this, authenticity is the first word that comes to mind. That's why there is no wrong way. Because you have to be yourself to worship before the Lord. You can't do something that doesn't belong to you. You can't be somebody who you're not. For some, it, it comes easy to raise hands. To some, it doesn't. I get it. To some, it's easy to say, to shout, shout out, Amen. For some, it, it's not. Where's your trust? Where's your faith? That is what essentially is what praise is all about. Because if you are, if you're praising God half-heartedly, man, I remember going through officer school and, and going through one of those exercises where it required every single ounce of energy and concentration that you that requires for you to get through it. And some of my flight mates were not able to get through it. And so there we were cheering them on and, and the TIs yelling. I can't repeat what they said. But they were yelling to encourage. You can do this. Get through it. But if they didn't pass, we all have to do it again. You see, we can't expect church, we can't expect our church to succeed in evangelism if we're not all on the same page. We can't expect our church to move forward if we're not praising with the same authenticity that is particular to you and me. We have to be authentic. We have to be real with our Creator. Where's your faith this morning? Where's your trust? Do you trust in chariots? Because in chariots means that you're going to trust your own way to get through the problem. I choose to trust in the name of of the Most High. That is what praise is all about. That is what God calls us to do. To praise His name in Toda, Yada, Tehila, Barak, Zamar, and I'm forgetting one, Yalav, Halav. All of these formats. And I pray that you Join me as we continue to move forward. Not just because we have learned this, but we are continually learning how to praise God every single day. May God bless you, and may God grant you the faith needed to move forward and trust in Him as we continue to grow in our personal relationship with God.